Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Josh, the host of the Just a Kid from Gary podcast, and I have some exciting news. That's right. A big service announcement. The Just a Kid from Gary podcast is now on a new distributing platform. The new distributing platform is called the All Indiana Podcast Network. See, it was started by Dewan McCoy, owner, president, and CEO of Circle City Broadcasting, parent company of Wish TV and My Indie TV 23. The All Indiana Podcast Network will be distributing across all major podcast platforms. So when you get the chance, head on over to allindianapodcastnetwork.com or visit wishtv8.com backslash podcast backslash and visit the Just a Kid from Gary podcast and stream your favorite episodes. Now, let's get into today's episode of five ways that we could take back the city of Gary. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Josh, and you are tuning in to Just a Kid from Gary, a podcast that will inspire others around the globe to achieve their dreams and then make them a reality. In this podcast, I highlight individuals that grew up in Gary or cities like Gary and now are doing amazing things. And today, 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 I have a very special and a very interesting episode. This episode is near and dear to my heart and has been one that I've been studying and researching and taking my time with just because this episode I really wanted to um, do this in um, tribute to my city uh, tribute to the people that I love the people that I know uh, the people that took care of me the people that raised me the people that made me the man that I am today and the people that really gave me the influence and the environment that you know I grew up in and I think that you know, most importantly, you know, I think that uh, the city of Gary has probably more potential than any city in the United States only because of its history, its background, where it came from. And I've been taking my time on this because I know that it, it needs the the seriousness. It needs the, the, uh, the technical... Uh, analysis it needs all of that and so I've been on this project and I've been at this 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 uh, criteria for some while now and I'm really excited not only excited but I'm also um, I want to take this serious this is a serious conversation for me you know this is something that um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure you know um, needs th- this conversation needs to be had and so with that being said um, I'm going to be breaking down uh, in this podcast episode, breaking down um, the ways that, you know, we could take back our city, the city of Gary, Indiana. Um, I don't think no one has really addressed it in this dynamic, nor I don't think anyone has addressed it in this this way, this avenue. I think that this 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 way has been something that I've researched for a while and you know, I think that, you know, this avenue, how, how we can actually be involved, how we can actually change our city. And when I say we, I mean the people. I don't I don't I don't mean uh, I'm not I, I'm not putting the responsibility is what I'm getting at on politicians. I'm not putting the responsibility on uh, spiritual leaders, physical leaders within our community. No, 
what I'm addressing is how we, the people, can take back our city and what we could do to really change the trajectory of our city. Um, and, and, and before I do that, I'm going to let you know how I'm going to break this down. Um, in this podcast episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of background of the, of the history of Gary. Uh, I'm going to actually challenge your mindset <clears throat> because the way that the way that I'm going about this has not is going to challenge you and challenge me also to uh, uh, think, uh, think in a different light, excuse me, think of it in a different way. And uh, <clears throat> not only am I going to challenge the mindset, I'm going to give some strategies on ways that we could take back our city. It's been well due, well long overdue, and we've been waiting and, and, and thinking that there's other people. But, hey, you know, we're going to get right into it. So just to give you a little bit of background about the city of Gary, Gary is probably the most interesting city of all American cities. The reason why is because it has a very, very rich history. In 1906, Gary was founded by Albert H. Gary. And in the city, his goal, because he was also the chairman of the United States Steel Corporation, was to make the city the largest steel industry that America or the world has ever seen. And his goal was to do that by finding a location, which is next to the lake, which we all know, next to that lake, find a location there, build upon that, have transport and import from, you know, saying the airport or, you know, uh, the, the, the rail yard. And and even, you know, the highways and byways. So this was a great proximity piece. This was a great location for business for setup. This allowed the city to transit into this 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 um, this this um, mega for for development, for uh, ingenuity uh, and for businesses. And so after the uh, after the U.S. Steel Corporation was founded and developed. People all over the U.S., people all over the U.S. began to flock to the city of Gary. It was it was it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, if I could sh- create a, 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 a image or a visual for you, just imagine, you know, you have all these different types of people. Uh, and Gary was a way where it was built for about, you know, three. It was the city size was built for about three hundred and fifty, three hundred eighty thousand people. So and it was divided at a time because, you know, during this time, like we were still like having like, you know, migration. We were still dealing with, you know, uh, um, uh, I don't, I don't want to call them foreigners, but for the lack of a better term, I'll call them foreigners were coming into the, to us. And so they were settling here <clears throat> and they were coming in, uh, by the Grove. So we had like, for example, the Polish in certain areas, we had the Italians in certain areas, we had the Germans and so on and so forth. Now the steel mill, it was so robust that it cost, uh, 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 a noise. And so during the great migration, as we know is where blacks from the South began to move up to the North. Uh, blacks were basically finding jobs, you know, like for example, in St. Louis or, you know, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and, and Gary, Indiana. And Gary, Indiana was such a significant place because black people were able to get these jobs, find these amazing jobs within the steel mill, and provide for their families for the first time. Now, these people just came from, you know, sharecropping and and even slavery, you know, and they were able to transcend their lives. I mean, it was it was it was literally the Mecca for blacks, literally the Mecca for blacks. You could go to Gary as a black man and with your family and you could provide for your family. 
you could do it. You could work your butt off. And, and it was to, it was to the point where, you know, they had families of 10 all the way to 15, you know, children. And he would, you know, they were able to send their, all, all the kids to college if they wanted to. So this was very, very significant. It was a driver. It brought thousands and thousands of people. And, and, and this is during the time from the 19 and the great migration from the night from the time of 1910 to about 1930. That's when we seen this true influx of people. So obviously you could tell that this is America, uh, the, the city of all cities, the America cities of all cities, because it encompassed so much. It was, it was truly a melting pot too. You know, we had so many, uh, diversity, so many groups, but there was still discrimination. There was still racism, uh, within this, uh, within these areas. And so, uh, Gary was doing really, really well. And, and because of the steel mill, it brought in a lot of businesses. It brought in, you know, uh, we're, we're speaking of, uh, uh, businesses like, you know, re- large retail shops, uh, banks, schools, uh, uh, other manufacturing businesses. Uh, also it brought in a lot of, uh, stores, department stores, I mentioned at retail. So you could tell that like people had, even if you weren't even just working in the steel mill, guess what? Boom. You could work in these other parts, part, parts of the city. And then let's talk about just the, 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 the municipality of the city. Okay. There is the parks department. They had a robust park parks department. They had a robust transportation system. Uh, so, so we, we, this city was really a booming city. Um, I think that a lot of times what the youth don't understand, even my generation don't understand how dynamic it was and what it do. I know we, we always hear the old folks talk about, oh, back in Gary's heyday, we refer to Gary as Gary's heyday. But even our even our parents, they missed a, a certain portion of it because during the 1930s, we got to realize during the 1910 from 1930s, you know, their parents really seen the city as the really full, full blown way it was meant to be. Uh, what our parents uh, experienced were more of the, the latter end. So let's fast forward to about 1960. During 1960, we all know this is a very pivotal time within the United States. In the United States, we have a time period where uh, we're going through this period of civil rights and, and, and we're trying to desegregate desegregate, excuse me, schools, and we're trying to um, uh, abolish, you know, uh, this this slave and this this uh, uncivilized mindset that we had in our United States. So every city was going through their own and within their own way. During the 1960s, Gary has seen a a a a uh, a top uh, population of 180,000 people. So they're well well on their way to you know being the city that it was now. Let's break this down, right? We got 180,000 people. Not only do we have 180,000 people, we have we have the lake, the proximity of the lake, this beautiful lakefront that that you were able to see the the Chicago skyline. We have a, a proximity, very close proximity to the city of Chicago. We have transportation there. Uh, we have this robust city within. So there's a lot of shopping, all this stuff. And then at the 19 at 1960, when we at our peak, we start to instantly see a decline. So from 1960 to 1970, we see a decline. We try to figure out, okay, where's this decline coming from? Well, during that time, the steel mill and, and the steel industry decide to go um, the, to to go international, and they decide to take their industry, which was, by the way, during this time, the employment ship at the U.S. Steel Corporation was about 70,000. So we got 70,000 people, 180,000 people there, right? 180,000 people in the, the, the city, 70,000 people are working at the United Steel. So 
you could tell what was happening. This was a very robust system. But when they decided to move their operations international and move them overseas, that, that broke down some of those jobs. So men were losing their jobs at a, at a very, very you know, fast rate. What's this, this called? This calls for people to move out the city. I mean, quite frankly, if I lose my job and there's no other place for me to work, I got to get out of here. But then also we have this big, big issue of discrimination. So during the 1960s, from the 1970s, we see that white people are getting ignored, annoyed with the idea of living with blacks. White people are getting annoyed with the concept of, of, of sharing businesses and sharing operations with blacks. So we're starting to see them this thing called white sprawl, this thing called white mitigation, and where they're starting to move out into, into these other you know, uh, communities. And even during this time, the banks were actually playing a little bit of a funny game. See, the banks were actually pouring money into these suburb-like communities. And how they were doing that was they were allowing the, the white people to have tax credits and they were able to get they were able to subsidize their homes. And, you know, for example, like if I was a white person, I would be able to, you know, write this off and, and not really pay a tax credit. And then I'll be able to walk away with, you know, a significant amount of land and a significant amount of property and a nice home. So the idea of this white picket fence really was like robust for white people but when black people wanted to do the same thing by the ways they're getting laid off at their job so they're trying to move out to the cities they couldn't so we understand this as a system of redlining so basically you know where you basically the concept of redlining is segregating the concept the concept of redlining is segregating um um um, um, opportunity from black people uh, and when I say opportunity, now not allowing black people to receive loans, not allowing them to receive the same things that whites receive. So, so we're at, now we're at a we're at an economic we're at an economic uh, disadvantage. So during the 1960s during the 1970s, we also see something else happen. Uh, Gary, the city of Gary, receives its first African American mayor. It was uh, uh, Mayor Richard Hatcher. Now, if you know anything now, if you study anything about this guy or know anything about this guy, this guy was the truth. Uh, when he came in, he seen it as this decline, by the way. Now, so from the 1960 to 1968, we have this, you know, very, very outrageous decline in the city. So he comes on. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make this better. I'm going to make this work. How can we make this work? So what he does is he gets to work Right. He gets to establishing businesses, establishing uh, different different uh, communities, send things up. He he brought in uh, some architects and he designed, helped design the, the Genesis Center and the Hudson Campbell and even the hotels. And all these things were supposed to be in this circulation of of, of productivity, uh, even the idea of Gary having his own sports teams. These were concepts that even during this time where we're starting to see the shake of de-industrialization, uh, de excuse me, um, we also see um, this advancement that he's trying to push into, you know, the city. Now, after that, you know, we get this hard push against him because he was a radical. You know, he didn't take much crap from white people. He didn't take much crap from the government, even though he was a part of the government. What I meant is, you know, he wanted to really, truly help people. He, he went down really as a great man. Uh, a lot of people know to him as a great man, as a significant man in history for the city of Gary. And, and even though during this time, you know, white people felt, you know, some type of way. They're like, yo, y'all got a black mayor or we have a black mayor. I should say, yo, we got to get out of this city. We can't be under no black control. So then we also we also to see as the steel industry is moving out. Then we're able to see people are moving out. Businesses are moving out. Black people are moving out, though, because they can't. They try to, but 
just to be honest, they really, really can't. And the reason why is because they're being redlined. They don't have the financials to move out. They don't have they're not getting the loans to move out or even just do better for themselves. So think about it like this. You have a house that you've been living in for the last 20 years. Okay, you're trying to put some money into it to, you know, make it look better, to rehab it. The community within you is is growing. Maybe uh, people are moving out, but the hey, people are still moving in. Tax pro- tax credits and tax property value rising and falling. If I'm a person that's trying to invest into my home and literally the pennies that I was making and I lost my job, I, I was making some pennies, but then I lost my job. So I'm really not able to do that. I find something, a little bit of something. I try to go get a loan from the bank. They does they they, they doesn't give me a loan. They does they don't give me a loan. They decline me. And so what I'm left with, what I'm left with is just, just try to get, just try to get the job done. That's what I got to do. I got to try to get the job done on my own. So the city has been abandoned. During this time period, we see, we see one of the largest, the largest white sprawls, sprawls happen. So from 1960 to 1970, we see a huge ball. From 1970 to 1980, even a bigger one. And, and, and the, the mayor from, uh, uh, Richard Hatcher, he was in office from 1968 to 1988. So we see this whole thing of de-industrialization, discrimination, segregation. They're affecting our schools with this. You know, our kids can't go to school together. White people are moving out. And as they continue to moving out, the city is shrink- shrinking. So economics is going down. Think about it. If I'm losing people and I don't have the tax credits, I don't have taxpayer money, excuse me. I don't have tax money um, coming in. Um, I, I'm losing accountability for my city. It's hard for certain, certain things to get paid for. I have to start putting the money where it's at, it needs. It needs to go. Instead of trying to put it where before a city that was made for 350000 now it's, it's shrinking. And it has shrunk so much that till today, which is 2020, there's only 74,000 people there. I find that very, very interesting. Just about the same number of people that at this robust time in 1960 at the U.S. Steel Mill. I find that very, very interesting. And so my biggest concern in this podcast and in this episode is uh, A, grabbing some little bit of history for you, kind of showing you what actually happened. See, we was finesse. We was bamboozled. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and we think, oh, you know, this this stuff just happened. It was just the 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 you know, we, we got the end of the stick. No, no, that we did not get no end of a stick. We got finessed. We got finessed. Once the steel industry industry decided to move out, all these other companies was like, you know what, we're going to. And they left us there. They left us there. And so growing up for me, you know, I'm seeing the just the the butt ends, and even kids now are seeing the super butt ends, but I was seeing the butt ends of it. See, during that 1990 period, all the way up to the 2000s, we always seen was, you know, gun violence. We seen drug abuse. We seen, you know, gangs and things, all these pop up. But you got to think about it. Let's make sense out of this. Well, how did this, this gun play, this violence, this gang violence, how did that come to play? Well, quite frankly, if I'm a man trying to provide for my family, and I know this is an excuse you might hear before, but here's the facts. Here's the facts, yo. If I'm a man or I'm a somebody who literally is trying to provide for something, right, I don't have too much income coming in. And I'm not saying illegal activity is what I'm promoting, but what I'm saying is there is some truth and there's some justification behind it. And I, I see product that people are pushing. And this product is illegal, by the ways. But I know that I could be an entrepreneur. I know that I could push this product and I know that I can get some money. 
And so therefore what I do is I invest my time in this, my energy into this product that is illegal. I sell it. I create gangs around it. And literally the, 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 the most terrifying thing that happened during the, the, that 1985, I believe. And I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to even say this during that 1990 period to the two thousands, we got the label of, of a murder capital, the city of Gary. So they DN, I'm I keep getting stuck over this word and it's kind of messing me up, but de-industrialize. So they take our industry from us, which is the steel, the major corporation. They take that away from us. They take our schools. They take our education. Not only are they taking our education, but they're taking our jobs away from us. Then they're leaving us there to, you know, defend for our own. And while we're trying to defend for our own, we come across this concept, this product that's able to help us. Yeah, you can see what happened. So we see a, a huge, huge, huge level of, of murdering and, and drug play and, and all these things. And we get this label and everybody's going, oh, you don't want to go to Gary. It's the murder capital. And what did that mean? What happened? And people going, oh, black people. And we get the butt in. We get the label of it. And so as you, if you're a black person, you listen to this in your mind. As as because because by the way, it's by the, uh, let me take this disclaimer, you know, this doesn't only apply to the city of Gary. This applies to every city, every community that has some type of large manufacturer, some type of large industry, some type of large warehouse that was basically the economic driver within that city. And because blacks came into that city and whites didn't want to play with us, they decided to leave, leave us high and dry, leave our economics all shifted. And you might want to say, oh, that's not what happened. But go study, go study what happened and read between the fine lines, because that's exactly what happened. And, 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 and in, in most cities that we analyze and we look at, that's what happened. It was racial and discrimination that pulled the dollars out, left us there. And then we get the label of the murder capital. And it's the blacks, it's black people. That's not true. So I'm going to I'm going to be highlighting some ways that, you know, you know, we we can we could change this criteria. Now, true enough, today we don't have that same problem. Now, we still we do still have some of the same um, uh, um, horrors that haunt us only because due of effect due to the effect of what's been going on and what's happening. Not a lot of economic push, not a lot of development. Uh, even some um, uh, ability to make the city better. We haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, so we, we are still in a position where, you know, we're trying to defend for our own, but that changes. I think that changes drastically because quite frankly, what I've been studying, what I've been researching, I realized that it's always been in our hands. We've always been had the ability to take over and take back our property, take back our city. So I'm going to be showing you how to do that. So that, that gets you to the, the concept of where I'm going. Now, before I get into some of the solutions, I want to talk about uh, what got me to this point. I was studying um, in, in my third year of college, and um, one of my professors ca- uh, came to the class. It was like, all right, we're going to do an de- economic development project. I, sw- I, I swear to you, the first thing that came to my mind, the, the first thing that came to my mind was Gary, my home. I couldn't think of nothing else. You know, I, I, people within my classroom thinking about this place, they're thinking about that place, they're thinking about how we could do this, how we could do that. It was my city. It was the city that I grew up in. How can I create an economic development plan to set my city up for the best 
the best future that we have. And so I, I remember me and my classmates, me and my, my classmates went into this, like just deep and, and some of the, and I appreciate, you know, the guys that went in and helped with this project. Uh, it was a little bit of emotional uh, tu- tu- tug on me, but I realized that during that time period, I had learned so much. And one thing I learned during that time period of, 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 of trying to develop an economic development plan for the city of Gary. And that's, 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 and I'm going to get into what, what that, what that in details, I had to understand where the mindset was. There were so many times during that project that I wanted to give up because I remember trying to call people within the city, trying to find out information throughout the city and getting this, I don't care. I don't know type response. And I could have been frustrated. I could have. And it is frustrating to some point where you're literally asking about simple information like, hey, when was the last time this was upgraded? Or, hey, when was the last time we had this? Or, hey, do you know about this loan or this grant? And you're getting the answers of no. And these are from officials, by the way. These are from people that are getting paid by your tax dollars, by your tax dollars. These are the same people going, we don't know. We don't understand. We can't give you the answer that you're looking for. Talk about a level of frustration. But what I had to do is I had to challenge my mindset. I had to get to this position where I was like, I'm going to discover the answer because every no that I get is going to turn to a yes. And true enough, I started getting some yes. I started receiving some yes, but I realized that I had to challenge the mindset, the mindset to change the mindset to want to do better, even when the odds are pushing against you, is something that you have to believe in. You have to challenge. You have to do in order to make everything work and be set up the perfect way. But it has to start here. It has to start within the mind. That's so so important, and that's something that I realized. I could not do anything with this project if I did not develop a mindset that said, "You know what? We're gonna get some answers." We're going to get some things. So not only are we looking at the economics, we're looking at the architecture, too. So I'm even asking questions. When was the last time this was developed? When was the last time this was made? This was this was upgraded. How did we do this? How did we do that? How do we figure this out? And I'm still getting these slaps in the, the uh, slaps in the face with, you know, door closers or the phone hanging up or whatever. Just this weird energy. And I'm telling people, hey, contact me when you get a chance. Hit me up. And guess what? They're not hitting me up. And these are Gary officials. These are people that we pay our tax dollars to. Oh, yeah, it was a problem. But I didn't let that stop me. I end up linking up with a very, very important guy. I won't mention his name, but he worked for the Lake County. He worked in the Lake County building. And he gave me a lot of answers. He helped me out. He got me in front of the right people. He got me connected. It was just that one guy. And literally he got so inspired. He was like, yo, Josh, honestly, man. And he was talking to the rest of us too. Cause we took a trip to gear. He's like, honestly, Josh, I love what you guys are doing. You know, so I hope you guys can come up with something that could really transfer and really, you know, transform, excuse me, the city. He was so passionate about it. And this is a guy who lived in the Gary. He had devoted his life. He had his church, his school, his kids when he was, was in Gary and et cetera. Just, just like you and I. So I realized that there's people in the city that won't change. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, you do too. You're tired. You're tired of people telling you no. You're tired of people telling you our city will get better and you haven't been seeing it for the last two, three, four decades. You're tired of that, just like I am. And you want to change. 
just like I do. But how can we change? We first change our mindset. So we got to look at the city of potential. The city has a lot of potential. Even the neighborhood you, you live in, it. you might look down the block and say, well, you know, <laughs> Josh, I don't see that. But see, there's a lot of potential. See, what you got to do is you got to work on unlocking that mindset first on how to see the glass half full instead of half empty. We talk about it all the time. But do we actually put this into play? See, our city is is in a position where we could take it. We could take control of it. The reason why is because it's abandoned. Think about anything abandoned and think about anything that's abandoned and nobody's claiming it. The way my brain works is if you're not claiming it. And you don't want to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the right criteria to claim what you have abandoned. So let's process that. Next, I'm going to talk about the solution. I've addressed the problem. There's a, I speak of economics a lot, but and if you don't understand economics, I'm going to pull it, I'm going to pull up a definition for you so that you understand about economics. we're going to talk about economic power um, in order to kind of just get this thing started. Economic power is the ability of countries, businesses, communities, etc., to improve their standards of living. It increases their freedom to make decisions that benefit themselves alone and reduces the ability of any outside force to reduce their freedom, purchase power and a significant opponent. Economic power. That's what we need. That's where we're headed. We have the ability to change our city through economic power. When I was developing this plan, I realized something that is through the economics. Economics means financial money, right? And how do we acquire? How do we gain? How do we pull together this money to build? See, what we do is, if, if you look at it, the black dollar, and this is a fact, everybody talks about it, but let's just break it down and put it into our city, put it into our worlds. The black dollar only lasts within our city, within our community, six hours. What that means is you get paid on Friday, okay? Let's say you get paid on Friday at 8 a.m., Fast forward 8 a.m., probably you're going to be broke or excuse me, not even broke, but your dollars are going to be spent by at least two or three o'clock that evening, that afternoon. Excuse me. So what is that suggesting? That's suggesting that we as black people don't have any businesses or economic uh, 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 value where we can pull and put our money into systems that work for us. Meaning we can't put a, our money into our banks, our banks, our banks, when I, when I say our banks, black banks, black banks that have the black agenda at heart, put that, put those dollars into the black community. And that allows the black community to grow. For example, if we had a bank, right. And we were able to put our money into every, every, every payday, Right. We put it into our savings account. Cool. And what that does is then that would lead to somebody, you know, uh, uh, going into that black bank and say, hey, I want to develop this block. Then they say, OK, no problem. Um, um, Mary, Jean, Sarah, Sarah, Billy, Joe, Dion, whatever. They have put their money into a savings account. What we're going to do is we're going to take that money that they have in a savings account and along with some interest. OK. And we're going to give you this loan. You're going to go and develop it, pay the bank back, 
And guess what? You get uh, a little bit of interest on your into your savings account, cool, because you put your money there. But then guess what? That money that 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 they gave went right back into your community. Or, or does somebody say, I want to start a business within our black community to help? Well, what they would do is they would go to that black bank, get the economics, get the, the loan that they need from that black bank. And then they would take that money and go build that business and it would contribute to the black community. So then every time you pay your money for the gas station at that black owner's gas station, at that black owner's uh, 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 grocery store, at that black owner's retail store, whatever, an energy store, whatever. As you put that money into that black business, it generates itself. It goes back to the black bank. You gain interest. Yours goes up. Beautiful system, right? Because we don't have that. For example, like I go back to we get paid and the black dollar doesn't uh, allow to, to circulate within our community for, uh, for, for only six hours. And then it's gone. And if you think about it, go look at, go look at who's selling us in our communities, you don't see a lot of black owners within our communities. Now, they might be in your beauticians or your your barbers. You know, what I'm saying you might have them there. I'll give you that. You might have them there. But who has your grocery stores? And I mean, I mean, our grocery stores. Who has our grocery stores? Who has our gas stations? Here's the tricky one. Who's have our, who even have our beauty stores? Who have our restaurants? You see what I'm saying? So if those people have our restaurants, what are they doing with their dollars? They're not putting it back into the black community. No, they go take it to Chicago. They take it to Sherville, Valparaiso. Even they take it to their, their own countries. They're sending money to their own countries, populating their own countries, making their own countries rich. They took a, I've learned that they've taken loans from their countries, brought it over here, developed business, prepared food and, and, and items and, and things that we enjoy and we like. They've taken this stuff and they literally commoditized, made money on it, known that what we like. And literally they take that same money, they go send it and pay it back, pay back their loan so they can increase, develop their economic power. On their side, brilliant. On our side, dumb. And we need to change that. And so this is the reason why I'm having this conversation with you. Gary, we can change it. I'm talking to all of y'all, all 74,000 of you. We can change the city. That's right. We're going to do it. I'm going to tell you how. So during this time, we're developing a a economic plan and and get into like how to do this. I came upon uh, uh, a a economic uh, system and it was generated for people, for us, by us. It was generated by uh, the great Dr. Claude Anderson. The reason why I say he's great is because the man has the black gender at heart. The man always had the black gender at heart. Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, uh, he played a, a huge role in the political arena for so many years. Uh, he played the role as developing and creating political uh, 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 agendas and arenas around political figures in order to, for them to campaign. And during that time, he ran across information and styles and how they've done it and developed and he understood and goes, hey, wait a minute, I got to blow the cup. I mean, I got to blow the, the top off this thing because true enough, there's a lot of history. There's a lot, excuse me, not even a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of information and we need to be talking about this and we need to be developing our communities. And so he came up with a system called the five story building of economics. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that every black person needs to be thinking about it, living by it. 
um, and, and transforming their communities by it. it it's been te- I, it's been tested for sure. Uh, it, I, there's been tested in, in smaller like communities. I want to see what it could be done in a larger community like us. Like I said, all 74,000 74, of us could change the city. So I'll start by saying this. Uh, uh, the first story. So he, he, he broke it up in five stories. He said, okay, we, there's five stories to economics in, in order for us to get everything back. And when I say economics, I'm referring to, and I don't want this work to scare you because that's the bad thing about it. People hear economics, then they run from it. No, you practice economics every single day. Trust me that when you decide that you're going to buy Wonder Bread over Centrella Bread, that's an economic decision. The reason why you're able to make the economic decision, because you're deciding between a am I able to buy a product based off what I'm bringing in every month or every two weeks or whatever, based off my taste buds, based off my pockets, based off, you know, the class that I'm in. I'm able to buy this. So then you go, okay, I'll buy the, I'll buy the wonder brick. Cause it's a, you know, I got paid early today or this week and I worked some extra overtime. So my family should be able to enjoy some wonder bread versus some Centrella. Centrella basically is going to be the times where you are struggling Centrella and you're going to make the economic decision because you got to say like, Hey, this bread costs 99 cent. Okay. I have $50 to last me two weeks. Okay. So if I buy bread today, I buy this, 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 and that cool. I spent $10. That's food for the next week. We always make economic decisions. The reason why you choose one gas station over the other is an economic decision. You look at the price, 261 253 Well, there's a, there's some uh, there's some change difference, so I'll go with the, the one that's $0.08 cents less. So that's an economic decision. So don't run from this word. Don't run from this word. This is a word that we all understand. We practice it every single day. Let's just embrace it, learn it, and then put it in our own lives. Now, cool. Economic. So the first thing we need to do is economic foundation. We need to first build our businesses to get our money up. That's the first thing. Build our money. We need to build businesses. Right. So uh, how I look at it is we need to practice group group economics. Um, and I'll, I'll give the, the actual definition of group economics. So there's no confusion. So there the group economics can be defined as one group of people who have a common economic interest which is black people, our economic interest, all should be financial literacy, generational wealth, and uh, and rich, wealthy, excuse me, not even rich, wealthy, successful as heck, right? So we should be looking at that. That group agrees to actively and consciously pursue the economic interest together to create a sustainable and secure economy for them Sales. That's exactly what we're trying to do. So in this first on the first floor of this economic story uh, or this uh, this uh, the five story building is economics. It's the first floor. So we need to build businesses. And how I look at it is like this. Guys, honestly, you ask yourself, well, Josh, how do we build business? I mean, you know, I don't even know where to start. Hold a barbecue. OK, I know it's during COVID, you know, COVID's a, a wild thing. But we got to be we got to be really I mean, we, we got to be really thinking, folks. OK, if we're able to participate at church, we're able to participate in this event, in that event. And we're, we're wearing masks. We're able to hold a barbecue. And at that barbecue, we need to sit everybody down. They need to be 30 people, maybe everybody or your block. You pass out flyers. Say, hey, I'm doing a barbecue and I want all y'all to come to my house. I got the good music going on for the first five, 10 minutes. Everybody's mingling. The music shuts off. Let's talk business. I want to start a business. I want to start a company and I need every single one of y'all help. I want to do X, Y, and Z in business. Who wants to do that with me? You find five people 
Here's, this, this, we're talking about group group economics. You find five people that want to do that with you. Five people that want to do that same endeavor with you, and you go do it. It's simple as that. And you say, well, where where do we start? Well, out of those five people, somebody know how to get an LLC. Boom, that's your first step. Boom. How what what you? I would say even what you're passionate about. What do, what do you want to sell? What you want to sell to your people? Maybe it's candles. Maybe it's good food. Maybe it's, 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 it's a better way of health. Maybe it's a fitness program. Whatever that is, figure that out, okay? Then what you got to do, then what you should do is you take, you take those, those, those business endeavors and those five groups of people and y'all build the business together. Y'all work on marketing. I mean, supreme marketing, marketing, uh, and we study marketing. We, we we must study marketing and how to get our, our 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 quality product or service to other people. As black people, we got to do that. That's a demand. That's a for sure because we love good stuff. That's why we buy Gucci. That's why we buy top shelf things because, quite frankly, and not all of us do, but what I'm getting at is, quite frankly, is because of their marketing. So we just basically copy their same systems. So you develop you develop what you want to develop. You develop not. Uh, let me say this: you develop what you and your five people want to produce. Y'all make it at an expensive level, uh, 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 expensive uh, uh, group. Y'all figure out how to manufacture it, how to build that connection with other black entrepreneurs. Start getting on the phone. Start doing some research. Boom! Y'all start your business. The next five people. Uh, you know, I, I looked at it like this, you know, if 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 one group started a, uh, a mechanic business, the five best people within your community started a, a mechanic business. And basically, I worked on everybody's car within this community. I don't know how many blocks. I don't know how many neighborhoods y'all can y'all can get to. But y'all buy y'all buy into one building, one large building. Y'all, 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 y'all go in on the tools. Y'all go in on security. Y'all go in on marketing. Y'all go in on making your business legit. And literally the five best mechanics in the city run the heck out of that. I mean, top notch black mechanics and we kill it. Five, the five top notch plumbing plumbers, the five top notch uh, uh, carpenters and so on and so forth. And we start building businesses. So that's number one. We need to build businesses, right? Uh, and let me let me say this: I only address you know some manly things. So you know, I, I'm not trying to exclude anybody. So if there's anybody that you know feel like I did that, I'm, my apologies. But like you know, what I'm saying candles, you know, food, clothing, uh, women's clothing, men's clothing, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, you know, uh, hair, whatever. Find the next five people, and literally any age, by the way, any age. Don't let just age stop you all because I'm young. I, I can't. No, any age you can do it. Number two, the second the second um, story is the political foundation. The political foundation within our city has struggled. We understand that it has struggled for a while. And quite frankly, um, we subscribe to whatever or the agenda that they want. Quite frankly, um, a lot of them do want uh, the progress of the black community. They do. Um and I'm quite frankly, I have to take my hat off to some people that that have been in that role and have done a fantastic job. No, no discredit to what they have done. I have no beef with what they have done. But I will tell you this, guys, I will tell you this. There is no way, shape or form that we can continue to allow them just just to do the job that they could do. And we don't do anything. So after building those economics, what we need to do is we need to take the money and lobby Basically, rent and buy politicians. 
Now, up until then, what we can do is we can hold our vote. We can say, hey, we need X, Y, and Z in order to progress our city, to progress our community. That's number one. Now, if you can't do that, we understand we would just give the vote to your opposing opponent who've already subscribed or who already have decided to agree to the terms that we have created. Now, based off this, what you have to do is first, you have to be in every single community, have a meeting and establish what do we want as black people? What do we need? Do we need better stores because we're tired of eating junk food and dying of it? Sorry to be so brutal. Do we need uh, uh, do we need uh, uh, health facilities, better health facilities? What do we need? Let's figure that out. Write it down. SWAT does do a SWAT analysis. Let's talk about in every community, our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and, 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 and threats or tactics or whatever the last one is. I can't think of it offhand. But we sit down. Let's do a SWAT analysis. Let's figure this out. And then we take it to the politicians and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Politician or them or they, uh, if we're going with a, a political correct uh, phrase. And we say, hey, what are some things that you, politician, can do for us? And they might say, you know, whatever. OK, <laughs> thanks. We have a list of things. Can you can you subscribe to this list? This is what each of the communities decided to do. If they can agree on do it. Boom. Right. But until then. Oh, and that's the first part. Right. Now, when we get the economics behind us, when we start building our business, then we can buy them. Then we can say, hey, I'll give you an example. The rifle, the National Rifle Association, uh, NRA. Yeah, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, um, uh, when Trump got into office, they bought him. And it's in history as as uh, they, they, they purchased him at the largest. And when I say purchase, I mean lobby, but that's what it basically means. They support his campaign. And they bought him um, and they they spent the most money that they have ever spent on any project. I mean, on any president. Fast forward a couple months, a couple. I think it was a couple weeks after President Trump got into office. Trump endorses or signs a a legislation that um, that um, uh, encouraged the Second Amendment um, amendment. The ability to hold, you know, to, to carry, carry, uh, arm fire, your gun, basically. Then what that does to do, <laughs> they take gun sales through the roof. Simple business, baby. Simple business. If I'm the NRA, I bought Trump. He signed some, uh, some, some, some laws and some legislations for me. Boom. People go buy guns. They feel more in tune to hold their guns. Boom. I make a lot of money. Then that's what we should be figuring out. The third the third story is the Justice Foundation. Now, after we use the politicians and after we've built our economic power, the next step is to let's go talk to these judges and the police officers, man, because honestly, they have been doing a toll against us. I mean, they have been working against us for decades. We just not not just recently where we're experiencing, you know, what I'm saying a lot of this police brutality and we're starting to realize how much the jails have been affected. No, these people been at play for a while. And what we need to do is we need to take that same political and economic power and we need to go root up the justice system. So if there's anybody in jail that went to jail for these petty and, and misdemeanor crimes, you know, we need to, you know, because honestly, what they did was they broke up the, our, our home systems as black people. We've suffered from it. So what we need to do is we need to be thinking about and strategizing on how we can take back our justice system. And I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying, you know, uh, 
uh, just get away with with ruling out, you know, good, good versus bad. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I'm saying is we should be even able to get to a point where we're able to police our own communities. So that, you know, saying the guy or the girl who thinks that they can just come and put in our crib anytime or they can sell whatever products they, you know, illegal products to our youth or to the community, they, they have to know that they can't. And there's consequences based off that within our community. And we've established that. So then therefore, for example, like I could see somebody, you know, if they do something, we'll call it with, you know, crime, you know, we could consider them a cr- criminal. If they do something in that, the community catches them. The community has a, a voting system. And what we decide on how long their community service is going to be. And for basically about, let's say, a month, two months, based off what we decide, they have to build the community. They have to clean up the trash on certain days. They have to work on people's homes. They have to get these lessons. So by the time they're done with it, they've learned something. They've worked with some people. They've learned something so they can be an asset to our community and not in jail somewhere rotting away or literally wasting a wasting their life just waiting to get out. We got to re we got to we got to root up the system man. the system is crap, by the ways. It doesn't help us. By the ways, these guys come out. A lot of times what I mean, majority of them now, I'm not going to say some because some do come out and some do have a lot of skills. They have degrees and different things like that. But what I'm addressing is the, the large amount of guys and girls that come out of these jail systems and they haven't learned anything. And all they do, all they know to do is push or do what they were doing right before they go back. So let's we have to change that system. We have to rewash, rewash the brain where we able to now look at the glass half full. These guys are not criminals. They're our people. We're not going to just toss them out in the street. No, what we're going to do is going to have the community take control. We're going to have the community set laws and reg- uh, and regulations for if they do something. We're not going to go snitch because we don't need to. We held a meeting and they're going to subscribe to it or else then there's a larger penalty. The, f- the fourth story, the fourth story of this economic building is uh, the media. The media is huge, man. The media is huge. Think about it. During the 1990s, we got this label as the murder capital. Who wanted to, who wants to vet, invest in a murder capital? But the, if you think about it, they had shrunk the city. A lot of black people, I mean, a lot of white people had moved out. So they could point the f- finger very, very easily. They'll point the finger and say, hey, the black people did it. It's the black people fault. And then we get this label of 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 of, of murder capital, dilapidated. You know, Gary is rough. Gary is tough. I went little. I went to a PWI, y'all. I heard it all the time. I sat down from Gary. People go, oh no, what? Yo, yo, yo. You don't know about the city, yo. Don't don't come at me wrong, because I have to roll up my sleeves. You feel me? To just to show you. But no, they they'll go. I, you know, I took a wrong turn one time when I was in Gary. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, these game members start looking at us. Shut up. When, uh, when was the last time some game member was looking at you and you and your you you're white in your V your 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 white vehicle? You talking about some game member looked at you. Shut. You don't even know what a game member looked like. But that's what the media does. See, they they create a stereotype. They create a criteria around us. And that allows that to be trapped in people's minds. So then, therefore, they're miles and miles away. Never been in Gary, by the way. People talk about, I drove around Gary. And you never been in, uh, in Gary. And you, you, you hear this criteria. You hear this stigma. And you go, oh, this is Gary. Shut up. You don't even know what you're talking about. But that's the thing about the media. So we need to take control of the media, right? We need to start writing our own story. And what is our story? We're progressing. We need to write in there what businesses are being started. We need to start, and not just writing, by the way, because I don't want just media to sound like a newspaper. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about the news. We need to control it. 
We need to control every avenue. Every time somebody comes in with a, 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 a microphone and they're speaking and they got ABC seven or Fox news or whatever, it needs to be about how we're progressing our city, how we need investors back into our city, how us, us five groups need some help. We need some resources. Can you help us? That's the media that we need to be putting out positivity, what we're teaching people, what we're doing in our city, how we can bring this, how we can help you with this, how we can do this. That's where we need to be at. That's how we get back control of the media. So that we can show that our culture is not whitewashed by, you know, saying crime and and, and these other things, because it's not. Our culture is beautiful. Our city is beautiful. We do some great things in that city. We have some great times in that city. And that's what we need to be illustrating. Number five. Education, 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 education. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's one of those. It's one of those conversations where, for me, I could go probably off a whole nother hour on it because I think the American system is messed up. I remember growing up and going into those schools in Gary and learning about a white man named Christopher Columbus. Well, he was a European, but yeah, we consider him a white because that's what they they refer to him. But a Caucasian man named uh, Christopher Columbus who discovered America. And I and, and honestly, like I'm going like, man, my God, like we didn't have any black heroes. And then the black heroes we hear about was help trying to help us get up, out of, get out of a black issue. So I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's the only history we know. But if you actually go do your, your research, you'll find out that there's probably not even probably there's over 100,000 years of African history. European history is only 6000 years old. So that's only that's the only record that's the only recorded history that we hear about, by the ways. Let's peep game. Let's put ourselves on game, guys. Like, Gary, we got to really we gotta really be on this stuff, yo. Black, black skin, black people, 100,000 years of African history, of things that we were doing. Which was, go, go research. Go find out when the pyramids were built. Then you start doing some math. Oh, wait, wait, hold on now. That's, that's more than just this, you know, when we discovered America nonsense. And that's what they want to tell you. But we got to learn about some other things. We got to learn about what the African people did in our African communities to, to to work together, to unite together. There was no there was no disenfranchising, no individualistic concept within the African culture. There wasn't. We worked together. Even if we were indigenous, or even if we was slaves, even if we were slaves within within the African culture, we still worked together. And we we were it was a servitude more of it wasn't like a, a slavery of what you think that happened with this brutality. No, it's like, you know, you were you a slave based off, you know, your economic position. OK, you were lower, you know, saying you work for this, you work for that. Uh, and maybe the trade off was, you know, you lived or whatever. And, you know, you were able to excuse me, not live, but you lived in a nice home or, you know, the trade off was just different. It wasn't this brutality. It wasn't killing. We didn't do it to in, in this heinous way. No, it was love. Yo, it was love. Go do your research. That's how our African community worked, yo. So the truth is, the truth is, the truth is, educate yourself, okay? So we can, so we can educate our kids because education is the root of it. See, if, we teach, if we're teaching them how to be a rapper, and, and, hey, I got to just address this how it is. Now, quite frankly, you know what I'm saying? I think our system has created a illusion for people. They've created the illusion that if you worked hard enough, uh, and if you try hard enough and you wrote the right lyrics, you bounced the right ball, you threw the right, you know, you caught or threw the right ball, then you can make it. You can make it. Now, I used to believe that, too. But then I started really doing some math. I started doing some math and I started looking at, OK. 
there's 40 million people in the, in the 40 million African Americans in the United States. If we're able to name basketball players and celebrities by name, by name, we're able to name them by name. It shows you how small that industry is. 40 million African-American people within the United States. And here we are. And we can name, I can name NBA players. I can name football players. I can name rappers and celebrities and actors and actresses. I can name these people. I can name athletes, tennis players. I can name them very easily. So it shows you it's not that many because 40 million out of 40 million, it's a small percentage. So it's an illusion. See what we have, what we need to be teaching our kids within our community is skills. How to develop, how to be architects, how to be engineers, how to be doctors, lawyers, philosophers, thinkers, writers, media, uh, taking over our media, uh, how to work a camera, how to uh, play back audio, how to, you know, work in uh, Illustrator, uh, uh, After Effects, uh, 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 all these design softwares, because basically that's where I'm, I'm going to tell you this secret. That's where our world is moving, by the way, is moving to strictly design. If you're not a designer or some type of designer or a way to design, and it doesn't have to be clothes. It doesn't have to be cars. It doesn't have to be anything. But if you don't figure out how to desire, you're going to be behind. I'm going to be real with you. But at the same time, what I'm getting at is you could be a designer within a, a bit as being a doctor or as being a psychologist or as being, you know, an illustrator or whatever. But where are those skills at? Why are we not promoting those skills? Even, even if somebody, like I remember, like until, like when I played, when I play sports for a little bit, I play sports only for a little bit. But I remember like the people around me that play sports, they were glorified more than the people that literally did the academics or who had dreams and ambitions to be great. Now, true enough, you do get at the end of the year, your valedictory and your salutatory. Cool. That's two people. And then maybe you might get, you know, your top A students that earn 3.5s. Cool, but they only got one time to shine. And that was the end of the year. The entire time we were talking about sports, we were talking about you know art, illustration, artists. Because I don't have nothing against art or artists, because these are ways that people, uh, um, uh, these are ways that people are able to you know show their creative side. But we have way more. Go look at your African history, yo. Think about it. We built pyramids. We obviously had to be architects. We obviously had to be engineers, archaeologists. Obviously had to be, and we were artists because if you go look at the walls, even in, in, in of the pyramids, go look at the walls in Egypt, which I haven't been, but I've studied this, by the way, and I'm planning on going. You can see that people were artists. People were architects. People were doctors. The first physicians came out of, the first brain surg- surgeons came out of Africa, came out of Egypt. Kemet, that's the real name of it. Egypt is just a Greek term came out of Kemet. Kemet. So if we understand that, then we got to understand, yo, we hold, we hold a lot of significance, yo. We could do we could do a lot more than what they've told us. So if you're in the city of gear, you got to be thinking, yo, how do we take back our community? This is how. We use these five step, these five story steps. You can look at it. You can go Google it. The Dr. Claude Anderson, the five story building to economics and address Dress the five stories, uh, 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 ways that we can uh, take back our city. Now, 
I'm going to be transparent with you. There's a lot of more. There's a lot more to go into that. And as we continue to go on this journey and in this podcast, we'll be addressing it. And it just won't be me. I decided to do this one kind of because it was so near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to take my time to really address all the issues that we undergo and we understand. But moving forward, I want to have, you know, more influential people, more people that can, can expand on expand upon the economics or expand on the media or expand on the politics and how we need to operate. Yo, let's educate ourselves and let's do this stuff ourselves. We can do it. We could do it. Change our mindset. That's the first thing. Change our mindset. Once we change our mindset, then we move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? Economics. We could change our mindset in a day. We could say, hey, I am tired of this. And I know you are. I know you're tired of it. And by the way, it's like I said, this just not, this is just not for my city. This is for every city within the United States that has experienced some type of economic failure due to discrimination and racism, which you can find in most black communities. Most black communities are experiencing that. And if every black community tapped into this, this podcast, just to give them Gary, wrote down some notes, did some research, followed, subscribed, listened to their favorite episodes and continued this journey. Oh yeah. We'll be out of this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm saying it. <laughs> we will, we will. Cause the thing about it is, is we got, we first got to understand that, you know, we hold a very significant amount of history of developing growing transforming at a high vibration and if we did it then we can do it now we don't have to subscribe to the things that they've told us here's these are here here's we're going back to the mindset you don't have to listen to this stuff you don't have to think that your community is failing you know there's a trajectory and i was talking with some financial leaders who are saying that there's a trajectory that we probably, Gary, the city, won't see any type of transformation within 25 years if the people don't do anything. Come on, guys. Come on, let's be real, man. We can't wait another 25 years. I can't wait another 25 years. I won't wait another 25 years. I literally heard 25 years, and honestly, it, I was so antsy. I was like, yo, I could do something now, yo. I was like, yo, let me go do this podcast. Let me go talk. Let me go start talking. Let me start speaking to you guys. And then let's have a conversation. Hit me up. Go to commentaryobservations at gmail.com and hit me up. Let's talk, yo. Let's rap. Because literally, like, I'm I'm ready. I'm in go mode. See this econ and I, let me let me address something. The economic development plan that I created, yo, that didn't go nowhere. To give you some like to secure you and what happened, I was able to present that in the front of, you know. Uh, the uh, the city of Gary, uh, the, uh, the mayor and the councilman. We was able to have a good conversation about it. The mayor, t- uh, Karen Freeman at the time, Mayor Karen Freeman, who, you know, she did a great job. She texted me um, and said, hey, Josh, I, I want to see that, that, that plan. See me that plan. Now, because her time was exiting and we know that Mayor Jerome Prince is now in, in office, things have shifted, things have changed. But, hey, that's not to worry, folks. We're going to be right back on it. We're going right back to it. The plan works. Now, the plan that I have is in more detail. I'm focusing more on how to house these these things for you guys. So, so we need to create housing for this. Your housing and then business housing. How do we do this? You know, with COVID, are we changing? Are we going to a more virtual place? What are we doing? But I'm thinking in that direction. I don't care. Nothing's going to stop me, yo. So when he told me, yo, like 25 years, I'm like, hmm, okay. I hear you. 
Challenge. I'm just like Michael Jordan. You you telling me I can't do it within? You can't. You think that's gonna take 25 years? Okay, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Cause it's not gonna take 25 years. Not for me, and not for you either. Cause what you're gonna do? All 74,000 of you. We're gonna link together. We're gonna work together. And this is like, oh well, you're just being optimistic. You're just being crazy. No, you're being crazy. You're being out. You're not being optimistic. We're gonna make this thing work. We're gonna change the city. Cause we can. We have the ability to. We can buy up the block. One thing that I look at it is, you know, just not starting a business, going back to the economic piece of it. And then I'll let this out in this podcast episode and then we can we can link up. We can we can we can talk more. But one thing I, th- I thought about this is that, you know, if we're tired of seeing the stuff within our community, let's say, for example, there's 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 20 houses on the block. Now, that's that's saying too much. But let's just say there's 20 houses on the block. They say there's out of those, those 20 houses, only 10 people live in, the, in, in some of those houses. The others are dilapidated, dilapidated, and others are vacant, and there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of blight. Obviously, we know there's a lot of blight in Gary. But what if we took all ten people, sat them down, was like, "Yo, let's buy back our block," and what we do is we get an assessor, we get a surveyor to come out, and they analyze, "Hey, is that foundation good? Okay, we'll keep this house. If the roof's good, okay, cool, we'll keep this house. If it's not, we'll demolish it." We put together a plan. We bring in the resources to demolish the homes that are not working and they're not up to date and not, not up to par, excuse me. And then the homes that are, we, we rehab them, we develop them, we put the time and economics, we put the power in there. And maybe that's taking our savings accounts and putting them in there. But guess what? Think, let's, think about, let's think about real estate, yo. Real estate pays. So if we take our, our community, including our houses, by the way, and, and on top of that, there's tons of grants and opportunities. There's tons of them out there for facade developments and, and rehab to just your crib. There's even loans that you could take out. And if you think about it, it does make six sense because if you take out a loan and advance your, your crib, get your property taxes up and then basically buy back the block. Then you basically have people come in and live in there and they're buying directly from you. You've just paid off your house and you have a residual if you're renting every month. Now you have a residual coming in every month. This is yo, let's make money, yo. Let's really change our community. Let's really change our lives. This is very simple. We could do it. This is simple economics. And I know I'm saying simple, but what it is is just strategizing, getting the right resources together, getting building the right economics, building the right uh, financial uh, financial uh, resume, which currently that's something I'm working on too, and, 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 and then going after. I understand. I understand. Easier said than done. No problem. But hey, honestly, it's all about changing your mindset. Once you have the right mindset, you can do anything. So I'm going to leave on that note. I'm going to leave on that note. I think this has been something that uh, I've been wanting to talk about. There's a lot more to talk about on this, uh, this, this situation. Uh, in, in detail, I think that there could be a 15-minute podcast that breaks down each one. I think that, you know, that could be a 15-minute podcast that truly breaks down economics, uh, politics, justice, media, and education. So that's the five story. That's Dr. Claude Anderson, by the way. That's not mine. But that's Dr. Claude Anderson's um, foundation of a five-story building for economics, how to build it within the black community. Take back that control and and really, you know, take back our community. And let's start with Gary. Honestly, like, Gary, let me talk to y'all real quick. I've been talking to y'all, but let me make this personal. Think about it, y'all. If we be the first ones to do it, we write, we write a module and we allow every city to copy our module just like they did with the steel mill. 
All right, I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to let y'all think on that. I'm going to let y'all go. Yo, you've been tuning in to the podcast just to care from Gary. If you're on uh, any of our listening platforms like YouTube, Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, uh, all, Indi- all Indiana podcast platform, wherever you are, uh, subscribe, like, share. Do that for me, please. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, any concerns you want to talk, Send me an email at commentary observations. That's C O M M E N T A R Y O B S E R V A T I O N S at gmail.com. This is your boy, Josh. I'm out.